0: Welcome to another episode of Artistry, Where Art Meets Industry. We are your hosts, Rochelle Etienne Robinson and Stan Substantial Robinson. Peace, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Artistry, Where Art Meets Industry. We are your hosts, Rochelle Etienne Robinson, and this guy over here, Stan Substantial Robinson. Today, Mm -hmm. we are so excited, as we are every day, but today's guest, is a dear friend, she's an interdisciplinary artist. Her work consists of installations where she incorporates sculpture, uh, sound, and performance. Uh, She has lectured and exhibited extensively at MoMA, PS1 in New York, the Contemporary Art Museum in Houston, Texas, the Museum of Contemporary Art in Chicago, the African American Museum in Philadelphia, and the Institute of Contemporary Art in Los Angeles. She's also an associate professor at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, and most recently, the recipient of the United States Artist Fellowship. Please welcome Maria Gaspar. Hi,
1: everyone. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes. It's such an honor to be part of your program. Thank
0: you. Oh, thank you, you, for thank you so you much. Thank you for joining us. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So we want to get started because I, as all of us have, you know, this past year has been enlightening heartbreaking, challenging, and any other type of adjective you would like to add. How are you and how has your, this last year been for you? Mm. Um,
1: yeah, it's, it's certainly been a, a, a challenging, um, but also affirmative year. I feel like, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a new parent of a, of a toddler um, and, you know, managing, being an artist, being a teacher and being a parent was particularly difficult. Uh, this It still continues to be <laughs> difficult. Um, as, as, you know, one cares for one's family, but also extended family, right? Um, uh, and also having children that are not, you know, able to get vaccinated yet, you know, they're still kind of a vulnerable population. So I am constantly, you know, uh, Worried um, for my child's safety and just trying to find spaces to thrive and to feel um, joy, you know, amidst this time. Um, I have also I've been working at a, a place of detention the last ten years, and be, due to COVID, I have been unable to uh, go into the jail to continue my work, um, uh, given you know COVID. So that has also kind of changed things for me. I'm now developing a new project that works on the outside. I can tell you more about that later. Um, So my practice has changed a bit. And one of the questions that I've been thinking about a lot is how does one sustain a socially engaged practice or community-based practice uh, during social distancing, Um, which is really challenging because often we're working so intimately with others. But when we can't work intimately, uh, due to the pandemic, it becomes particularly difficult. Um, uh, so, you know, that's, that's one end of things, but I also use the word you know, affirmed and, you know, given, um, I think the conversation around, you know, state violence and, um, given the conversations that, that people have brought brought up around abolition, or we've been talking about abolition, but I think it's become much more uh, common, uh, within the U.S., I think there's, uh, this affirmation that at least I feel that, that, that is the direction we need to go in and that, um, I'm thinking a lot about what steps I can take within my practice or within my own being to work towards that. So that, that feels affirming, even though it has been particularly difficult, you know, the last year and a half, especially for more vulnerable communities. So, um, there's a lot on my mind, you know, there's a lot, to um that is still unfolding for me right now
0: right you know we're gonna talk of course we're gonna delve a lot more into that um regarding your practice but i want us to take us back in time um you were born and raised in a a town called little village neighborhood in chicago in chicago's west side what was Mm -hmm. like like growing up um on the west side of uh, chicago in the 80s and 90s
1: Yeah. Um, You know, Chicago is uh, such a uh, vital city, you know, it's historically it's the um, it's sort of the foundation for a very strong kind of civil rights history. It's also has an an incredible cultural history of the mural movement and um, DIY artist spaces, um, you know, cultural spaces that were, you know, uh, developed or um, founded by teachers and artists and just independent people so it has such a rich history Um, so growing up in chicago uh, was profoundly you know important to my practice because it it really taught me early on the importance of art but also um to have a care for one's community you know I, i i didn't see them as inseparable they were always together and i think um even though my neighborhood at the time didn't have a lot of arts and culture in that, that, that area, uh, the area next to my community had some incredible resources that I was able to tap into. Um, so, but I, you know, I think I, I saw the, um, the kind of uh, life, um, the, the sort of livingness of a community through entrepreneurship, through small businesses. Um, We didn't have a lot of arts and culture, but we had a lot of um, festivals or kind of public celebrations. And I think that kind of gave me an appreciation for what it meant to be a first-generation Mexican, American in Chicago, and to sort of see various generations of that culture um, emerge as a a kind of um, different forms of leadership in, in the city. So that was exciting to see. But it, you know, it had its challenges. It was also, it has been, um, you know, one of the 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 most sort of gang, uh, it, you know, areas of Chicago that that really struggle with gang violence. Um, you know, we have I, f- I forget the percentage, but a, a, you know, very high percentage of young people who are unemployed. Um, you know, Cook County Jail is, is at the center of the community of you know eighty thousand residents and. The jail, um, you know, had at at the top about thirteen thousand people incarcerated in in that you know compound. So there's there's a lot of um, you know struggles that I think emerge when one thinks about the social landscape. That the social landscape is made up not only of of what's there in front of our eyes, but also the psychic, the emotional, um, the way that carceral space shows up in different ways. You know um through surveillance and, and other forms of um, state violence like immigrant detention, being threatened by ice and things like that. Um, so comp- complex, beautiful, hard, soft. Um, and uh, my mom, you know, has been a really important um, kind of mentor for me and I maybe not mentor. But <laughs> um, I'm not sure if she would, I mean, I mean, she's my mother, of course, right. in some ways. But I think that um, she wouldn't call herself a mentor. But it, you know, she, for me, really modeled this uh, love for community through her teaching and and through her own professional uh, work when she was a radio DJ and when she did clowning. And she did, she sort of took up all these wacky, wonderful artistic things on the side. She had a lot of side hustles, <laughs> um, and I was able to like partake in some of those side hustles. And and so. You know, it was always to this spirit of like joy and fun and love, tenderness mixed in with the hard and the difficult, you know, and um, I feel like I'm trying to in my artwork, trying to also tap into all of those things, you know, the complexity of an experience. Mm
0: -hmm. You mentioned that your mom was a was a clown, which I love. Mm -hmm. Uh, What what was your first introduction into the arts? Whether it was Dan. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was probably, it was definitely through my my mother because she started uh, doing radio. Um, she had her own programs on a small, like boys and girls radio station, two blocks from our house. And it was managed by my uncle and my other uncle so had a program. So it was very kind of family, um, uh, it was very much a family affair. And um, she had a, a program about, Latina women's health, mm-hmm. for example. But then she also had this show um, about poetry, where she would just read poetry in Spanish, which I hated because I was about four years old maybe. And I would um, I, I would always have to go with her to the program. And it was in the evening, I think. Uh, and I would sit in the waiting room listening to her voice. And she had a very sexy voice, mm-hmm. you know, for the poetry, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It so disturbed like, me. Waterfalls. I was like, oh no, no, no. I don't <laughs> hear my mother speak sexy. You know, that was um, did not like that. I did not like those voices. But I I, I got I think it helped me listen to be a, a better listener mm-hmm. because I noticed the nuances of her voice, you know, when when she felt more confident. Or when she felt less confident, or she was nervous, or when she you know her mis- I loved her mistakes, you know, um, I don't know why because um, uh, I, I guess cause I got to see her work through something, and I enjoyed seeing her kind of like want to be better. And she did a lot of um, voice training in the car. So we would you know, drive to the station or or drive wherever, and then she would just train um, vocal little exercises in the car. so that that was. That was a really fun experience to, to just, that was unusual, right? That was just really unusual to see. So it's definitely definitely my mom. Um, and then murals, you know, I'd say it was murals, just seeing lots of murals in the neighborhood. And, you know, some uh, murals done by, you know, uh, so-called professional artists, but also, you know, people who were untrained, but, you know, really good at what they're doing. Yeah.
2: So shout out to your mom. I just want to say that, you know, um, when you mentioned um, cook County um, uh, the, the prison in the area where you are. Um, so Marcus D and I um, shot the Marcus D we were on tour some years ago um, in Chicago. We actually mm-hmm. um, cook County um, uh, correctional for the, for the younger. Um, oh, identity. okay. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and one of the things I thought about where you were talking, you know, cause a lot of times when we see, when we see these young brothers, it's like, of course we know, uh, we have an idea of how they ended up there. Right. But it's just, when you hear the ages, it's just like trying to make mm-hmm. sense. But when I hear your story, right. And I hear all of the different things that your mom, you know, thankfully was able to expose you to and how mm-hmm. important yeah. that is, because it helps you visualize, like, you know, I'm sure seeing her do so many different things also helped you realize that maybe mm-hmm. you almost anything you wanted to do really. Right. Right. And so, um, and just remembering when I was speaking to those young brothers, uh, because I was mostly talking to them about music, but also visual mm-hmm. art as well. And mm-hmm. I remember a young brother saying, "Like I didn't even know you can make money from art," and mm-hmm. that was just heartbreaking, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. you know, if he had the right resources, the right, mm-hmm. like he likely would not be there, right? And so, um, yeah. Yeah, but shout out to your mom, you know, that's awesome. That's super yeah. Awesome. And yeah
1: yeah no i I love that point you're making about um you know having the tools or the resources to even you know even sort of get permission to imagine or to yeah. reimagine something absolutely i i in my experience too uh i've I've had people I worked with at the jail tell me a similar thing um uh I remember uh, we were doing this project together. I was working with about twelve incarcerated men, mostly, and and uh, I showed them the work of Doris Salcedo, who's this you know really amazing artist from Colombia, who's who makes work about um, state violence, but it's so it's so um, it's so embedded in materiality, like it's really lush. You know, she works with dry roses and other very potent materials, which she stitches. And they were just blown away. I remember, uh, you know, a comment was like, you know, I didn't know you can make art with, you know, with those materials with old shoes. I didn't know you can make art with chairs, you know. And uh, and and there was there was these you know beautiful realizations about what's possible. Um, and I think that's why art is so vital, you know, even if. One doesn't necessarily want to pursue a career, but that creativity and, and art making and all of that is such an important part of our. Uh, as as you know, Audrey Lorde would say, "It's, it's um, poetry is not a luxury. You know, it, it's the it's the the vital essence of our lives." And so, yeah, totally
0: yeah. agree. You know, um, of course, you you studied um, art throughout school. Went to a um, a uh, specialized high school that had a very strong art program, which landed mm-hmm. you at Pratt Institute, where we all met. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. tell us about your experience at Pratt and um, and what did you study at Pratt? Yeah, I studied painting,
1: <laughs> but I, I I feel like um, I you know, but I guess maybe we, maybe everyone has a complicated relationship to painting. You know, it's such an old traditional form. Um, uh, I, I knew this question would come up and, and um, I, I feel so grateful that I, to me, the best part of that experience was meeting people like you. Um, it was the, the friendships and the community that we made because what, what is kind of amazing about that time, at least for my, maybe for my selective memory,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is what I remember the most uh, were spirit ciphers.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. going
1: to, going to um, see Stan at perform somewhere, right? Rochelle's managing of the student union and all the programming that happened there. I mean, boom, 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 you know, it was like well organized um, uh, situation there. Um, and, you know, bringing Slick Rick, I remember, yeah. I don't know who that was, somebody brought Slick Rick to perform, um, you know, uh, origination the black organization where, you know, there there was no Latinx organization at that time. So there were a lot of Latinx people that were part of it, but also a lot of black identifying Latinx people uh, yeah. that were also part of. So, you know, that was such a beautiful, special space. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, soon after that, um, I helped start Alianza, which was a Latino organization. And so to
0: me, all of
1: that organizing work, yeah was maybe the most important part of that experience, and I think in some ways, I mean, I think a lot about that time that maybe it was a, it was a response to um, there being a lack of of representation within the curriculum, you know, mm-hmm. like my painting department did only talked about clement Greenberg wow. you know <laughs> um, uh, you know luckily I, I eventually met people who um Faculty who then uh, kind of had a more diverse, you know, uh, curriculum and 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 you know, yeah, did did a lot of amazing stuff. Um, but it, to me, it was all of that um, the adjacent the adjacent mm-hmm. education that happened with being at Pratt, and it, you know, it was being in that neighborhood at that time, yeah. 1998, being there during 9/11. You know, like it was just there was so much. Um, yeah, it was so much.
0: Mm-hmm. It was great times indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after graduation, you know, and of course after your studies, um, you have exhibited, you know, you've participated in group um, exhibits, solo shows, murals. Take us back to your first solo exhibition. Was it of a parade was that your first one your first
1: solo? yeah yeah I would say that that was probably the one of the most significant shows um, because it was at a major museum you know I, I I had a you know I guess that would be it yeah yeah that was in two thousand nine so that was immediately after um, no that's actually not true maybe my my first solo show was at a another um, uh, it was at a smaller artist run gallery, mm. which, was, which was a really beautiful experience too um, but the MCA show was significant because yeah it was you know the first museum show. Uh, at the time the curator was really um, supportive you know she's still supportive but she's no longer at the museum but she's you know she was very supportive of, of my work. Um, and I was able to experiment a bit. So I showed this um, piece. I, I had made a smaller version of the sculpture um, where I was looking at public celebrations, particularly at like um, cultural celebrations and the way that uh, people communicate affirmations of one's you know, culture, right? So I was looking at kind of this mix between, you know, Mexican and American culture, the kind of representations of that. Uh, but I was also really, deep into studying brownness and I was mm-hmm. making a bunch of work yeah. about um I was I did the series called Brownouts. I started developing the series called Disappearance Suits shortly after where it was about opacity and you know, brown kind of connecting brownness to uh identity. Mm-hmm. Um, uh what so when um Jose Esteban Muñoz's book came out, um about brownness, which was you know, earlier this year I was like, oh my God, this is, this is exactly, you know, um, feeling of, of brown, right. And, and thinking about brownness as this, um, uh, as this, this sort of uh, space of both, it's like trauma and joy of, um, or of potential, you know, it's like this, this mix mixture of, of things um, that's non-monolithic. Um, so anyway, so that show was really important. I also collaborated um, with a bunch of performers. I was also beginning to do a lot of performance work
0: mm-hmm.
1: at that time. And um, I was working on a mural um, at this organization that um, uh, it, in, in my neighborhood that, that, you know, was really kind of revolutionary. They uh, had this history of talking about, you know, uh, safe sex during the HIV AIDS crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're doing really incredible work in a, you know, first second generation Mexican community of mostly Catholics. You know, they were passing out condoms when I was a kid, and you know, doing things like that that were really like controversial, you know, at that time. And um, I, I did a mural for them that same year, and and I invited some of the young people I was working with to perform with me, and they were, you know, queer um, um, identifying young, young people, people who were just interested and open to to trying something new. And so it was this Tracy Pollard, who's um, a good friend of ours who went to Pratt, um, who, you know, she was dancing a ton, right? Also kind Mm -hmm. of professionally around this, at the same time doing her design work. She flew in, she also performed as part of it. So it was this really beautiful group of, all different kinds of people uh, who performed and and they performed as this collective brown body that moved through the museum space, kind of creating uh, what I thought of as a kind of um, brown space. Mm -hmm. Um, And the performance took place during uh, the museum sort of first Fridays event, which was basically Mm. like a club, you know, (laughs) like the museum turned club. Um, and so they, they really demarcated space, really occupied space with their bodies and people had to move around them. So that was all very intentional. And and it was, um, it was, a yeah, it was a great space to test out some of these ideas I was beginning to kind of, you know, uh, develop. That's
0: awesome. You know, um, Your work has, you know, has obviously evolved and has developed over the years. Um, So much so that, like you said, you've incorporated performance, you incorporate Mm -hmm. sculpture. Um, In 2012, you created a site responsive art project that involved the community. Much of your work does include, you know, stakeholders and of the Mm -hmm. of the community, where it was called 96 Acres Project, which you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us about that. How did that all come come about?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, so I um, that same, I think the year before, um, I so I'd been doing a lot of, I was doing a lot of murals, and that's what I was. I was you know working as an independent artist mostly through contractual work. Um, I didn't have any full time work at the time, which is what I chose, and and I was you know teach being a teaching artist in different CPS schools. Chicago Public Schools all over the city. I was also doing murals in the summer mostly Mm -hmm. um, and working with mostly young people. Um, But I was beginning to feel like I needed to grow and um, I wanted to really merge my performance interests uh, and find a way to, to talk about public space through the body, not just through a surface. Um, I was putting pigment or glass because I was doing a lot of mosaics at the time onto a surface but I wanted to talk about the wall itself you know I want to talk about how walls um, in especially in this case with with the jail acts as a you know dividing line as a border um, so I, I did a project called city at site and um, it was you know with the NEa and I was able to get um, a partnership with the local community organization that was not arts-focused but was very interested in the arts, um, and they they partnered, and we hired fifteen young people from the Black and Latinx side of this dividing line um, in in the neighborhood because La Villita is also called South Lawndale. Mm-hmm. you know, as as you can see, like many cities that 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 have a history of redlining and. Other kinds of racist practices, like um, around you know, um, uh, kind of uh, the way the way wards or other kinds of infrastructures are organized in this, in cities, um, Chicago uh, has uh, ways of separating people that are embedded in infrastructure. So you know, the train line divides the Chinese community from the Black community, or the viaducts separate the Black from the Latinx and Uh, all kinds of things so i wanted to really think of ways to talk about um about the division but also about um the common space you know the the way that um, these spaces are also places for for meeting for coming together so city as site was a way for me to use performance to work with young people um to uh work with our public surroundings as a as a platform, or as like a sort of theater space that we didn't have to go inside of a building and perform in a stage, mm-hmm. where you know the 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 high school parking lot is a stage, um, the uh, the uh, you know the um, viaduct uh, is the stage. You know, so we were just really looking for the potentials of public space. And so I'm, I'm telling you that because that was such an important experience. I mean, it was sort of life changing because, you know, when I when I was doing it, I was like, man, this is exactly what I want to be doing. Like this is this is this is the direction I want to go in. OK,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so it felt really good um, and difficult and all that good stuff, but it felt really good. And so um, one of the things that we were talking about was how the, the jail you know, as we were walking around the neighborhood just looking at space, um, we talked about how the largest architecture of our neighborhood is a jail. And what does that mean? You know, like it's it's not, you know that beautiful library or um, that community garden, you know, it's a it's, it's, it's jail. And so then we, um, so, so yeah, so that planted the seed for me in my mind. And then uh, that same community organization um, who I've been just collaborating with for many years was uh, was interested in developing something. So just little by little, we started um, uh, inviting artists, community folks to meetings that just talk about what would it look like Um, to create a public work or series of public works at and around this, this jail. And, you know, there were very, very vast, vastly different um, responses. You know, some people wanted to beautify the wall. Some people wanted to put a bandaid over it and just sort of um put it away you know and others wanted to talk about incarceration mass incarceration Mm -hmm. because they were system impacted or they themselves had been incarcerated they they understood um how how the system um is is tied to you know larger systems of oppression and so there, there were a lot of you know different conversations and this is you know 2012 where maybe conversations around mass incarceration were not as common within you know, the larger community. Um, So a lot of of people were learning, including myself, you know, learning about how the system works, uh, learning about what it means to be, to go through that system. And then um, eventually that led to creating this project that um, was an independent artist project where we produced eight site responsive public projects using theater, sound, performance, uh, installation, between 2012 and 2016, and um, some of those projects were collaborations with uh, organizations. Um, we worked one year with a group of women who were formerly incarcerated, and some of them had been at this jail on, just on the other side of the wall. Who led a series of workshops outside of the uh, of the jail around Augusto Boal, the Theater of the Oppressed exercises, and it's it was it was really quite powerful to see. Um, these women sort of use their bodies in 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 creating images that really worked against these narratives that we have about who is incarcerated. You know, often powerless, you know, dehumanized. You know, all of these things. Um, uh, in another project, um, we worked with uh, another community group of young people where we produced stencils out of plexiglass, and then they used a power washer to remove the dirt from the sidewalk to then reveal the the text. So the text included things like, what's your role, you know, mm-hmm. um, "What do, do you see me? And th- this was all like stuff that the young people came up with. So I kind of acted as, um, you know, I mean, I acted as a community-based artist. So working with young people, working with different groups, and then working with the alderman's office, the Cook County commissioners, the sheriff's department to get approval to do all of this, because obviously we couldn't just like, we couldn't do a guerrilla style. Um, we would, of course you know, either get arrested or be <laughs> thrown out. Um, so this this was a very, um, uh, you know, um, delicate process of balancing all these different stakeholders within the community.
0: Well, wow. you know, I saw an interview with you where you talked about how when you were younger, when you were um, a little girl, as you went on a field trip to uh, yes. to the prison, and I, I just know. like, wow. you know, most people, I don't know, go to the museum. Right. <laughs> we go to a farm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, we're going right. to assign- Heading zoo. School. Heading zoo. Yeah. Heading zoo. yeah. yeah. We're going to go to right. you guys to Cook County Jail. And unlike, you know, with a lot of urban environments, you know, mm. it's not like, you know, like we see in TV where prisons and, and jails are right. in the offskirts of town or in the rural area. Yeah. This was right in the smack dab in the middle mm. of the community. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of reminder, constantly yes. people know, like, yes. this could be you or
1: yeah, 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 exactly. And I think that trip was meant. I mean, we were about twelve years old, and I and I, again, I was I was trying to sometimes you know in, in one's memory we remember things differently. And so I, I recently, maybe two years ago, I I contacted some of my classmates from from my Catholic school and uh, was asking them to recall that that event. And they all sent me um, memories that they had, including eating a bologna sandwich or something that they provided, um, uh, getting scolded for crossing our legs, um, uh, I remember um, the guards explaining hygiene to us, which was very, I mean, very strange. But we were, we were walked through the oldest part of the jail, which is division one, which is actually currently being demolished right now as we speak. Um, and we, And there were men, young men, older men, young men, locked up, they were in those cages and we walked through those walkways. Um, and, uh, I, what I remember the most was, was really thinking that the men that were in there looked like people I knew they looked like my brother who was, um, maybe at the time was probably around 20, almost 30 years old, you know? Um, and, uh, I also remember my mostly white teachers being really scared, um, just really scared running through, you know, it, it was very confusing. I mean, I didn't know there was no. I mean, it was clearly a scared straight tactic. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if they like gave our parents something to sign. I mean, I don't know what ha- what went down um, and my parents will not remember probably. But I, I I think back to that moment a lot and I've gone through there several times, right? Cause I, I've taught there and I've also organized my own tours there inviting community members to come to see um, because it's different. Maybe sometimes if you haven't been in there. Granted, some people have, and it's triggering to go in there, of course, for them. Um, But I think if more people understood what it actually looks like and how it, uh, how that system behaves, Mm -hmm. we would have a different um, perspective on how we deal with um, harm and what other alternatives there could be to dealing with harm. Um, So in some ways, I think, well, the teachers or the school thought it would keep us away from the jail. It sort of did the opposite for me, but from a different perspective, right? That I I, want to work with that community and I I want to continue working um, to to do these projects that I feel have been, at least for me, very transformative and um, important, you know.
2: Yeah, well, um, I wanted to shift gears a bit, you know, like, because um, you talk a lot about, like, the community work you've done and the art that you've done. Mm-hmm. But, um, mm-hmm. but I want to talk about an uh, underappreciated art form, and that's motherhood. So congratulations <laughs> to you. <laughs> we know that you recently you. became a mom of a beautiful baby boy. And so, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, how has being a parent changed the way you create?
1: Mm. Well, <laughs> I feel like um, I'm in the, I'm still at the beginning stages, you know, he's only two and a half. So I feel like um, every day is different. I mean, that probably is the same with you all, right? I mean, I don't know, you have it almost a teenager, so maybe it's, (laughs) I don't know, maybe, I don't know what it's like, Um, but uh, every day is different. So I guess what it, what is, it has helped me is, is, is think about flexibility.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
1: you just have to stay flexible. You have to stay adaptable, which I think being an a, an artist, teach you know you learn that early on. You know mm-hmm. I think, um, you know I mean I teach also and I tell my students like gain a lot of skills. Just have a lot of skills because, um, you know, if if one thing you know everything is at a different pace. So maybe, um, m- making objects. Is on a slower pace at that moment. Well, then pick up on the research or, or, or you know, work on this other thing, right? Um, that that staying kind of adaptable is important. It's almost like a survival skill, and I feel like that's the same for parenting. So far, um, it's just yeah, and also kind of like. Um, trying to laugh more (laughs) you know uh, my husband is also in the creative field he he does architecture and he writes about architecture and so you know we're, we're we're both um involved in that kind of creative space um and you know we're often like reminding ourselves like okay we gotta like take everything with a grain of salt you know we just gotta like laugh about this sometimes um and so I think same with art making is, you know, when you're in the studio, or when you're out and working with community, um, there is no one way. And also, somebody might be having a bad day, or a great day, or something might just uh, fall through, you have to then sort of figure out another way um, to to make it happen, or maybe just to change gears altogether. It's just not working. So let's try this other thing. Um, So, so that has really helped me kind of think about that. I also feel like um, it's helped me, I've been thinking so much about intimacy, you know, I mentioned that before. Um, and I think it has something to do with COVID parent, being a young parent, mostly during a COVID time. Um, and thinking about the value of, of, of closeness of touch. Um, and I think about touch a lot in relationship to To space and to community and to the wall and to people, um, being able to hold each other, you know, um, what it means to to touch a wall and to change it maybe or to think you can change it maybe or to put it out there into the universe, Mm -hmm. Um, and to to just to hold my child, you know, and to to think about that. Um, I know you, I know you all were just talking about how one of your kids doesn't, doesn't want to be, oh no, they want to, they want to be helped. No, they want
0: to be. She
2: always like, if you're, you're not
0: with her. Yeah. She sits next (laughs) to
2: me at the dinner table and while I'm eating, she like, if she's finished with her, she will hook my arm. So it's really hard for me to eat because she's.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. She loves it. That is so sweet. Close, close, Close to her. She. She walks over to you and she constantly has a she has a touch you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I wanna I wanna talk to her. I bet she's got some great insights. Absolutely. Um yeah. You. Yeah. My son is a little bit more like, mm yeah Yeah. <laughs> okay but okay i'm done you know it's, it's <laughs> right. sort of like that so but it's also yeah personal space boundaries i get it you know it's it's good um yeah so yeah i would say those are you know a couple of things um that i've been thinking a lot about right now this time and, and how parenting and being an artist and um and I'm, I'm also like i don't you know some i you know i, I teach in an art school and one doesn't see it, it's you know the the artistic field Hides and erases um, parents, but especially mothers. You know, they're just sort of mm. I mean, partly because it's it's not supportive of of artist mothers, I think, mm. um, but also because um, I mean, I see it with students. Like, I've been trying to normalize it as much as possible. So, so during my classes, which I was teaching mostly online. I was like hey look who's here <laughs> you know here's my my child mm-hmm. or let me you know uh, you might you might hear my toddler you know that it's just trying to normalize it. and I guess we didn't have a choice you know it was everything was sort of merging together yeah. um, but in some ways I feel like in the past I was able or maybe one was able to almost sort of separate mm-hmm. one's professional life with one's parenting life mm-hmm. and I think covid and and all of this, just you know, everything is, it's like the whole package. And I, I, I think that's important to hold on to that, it, that we shouldn't hide things away. We shouldn't be ashamed. Because um, I think that the field um, uh, does sort of uh, make you feel shame about it. And, um, and that's wrong, right?
2: Yeah, uh, 100% um, agree. We, uh, we're artist partners um, in the area where we're based and um, with um, an organization and one of the conversations we recently had, because we were talking about artist housing, um, mm-hmm. and how when you talk about artist housing, they're studio apartments, right? And and I was just talking about like you know how long are we going to wait before we introduce like family artist housing right. because yes. there are just like you and your husband are both creatives, right? right? And you yeah. want to have a family, so why does like you know artists? Yeah. Are together and planning to build a family. Why can't they live in those communities? Mm-hmm. Why can't they yes. also yeah. be a part of that. And so, um, yeah, you know, yeah. especially if we're serious about creating these spaces in our communities, but also trying mm-hmm. to ensure that people feel like they can stay in yeah. these communities mm-hmm. and start mm-hmm. family. You know,
1: yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think I love that that for sure. I think they're thinking of the studio apartment. I mean, that's a particular image we have of the artist, that's the, the solo artist that's working by themselves all day. And that's not, there's so many ways of being an artist. And I mean, I've also been interested in artist residencies who are family friendly, you know, and I I, I don't know that many. There's some, um, you know, uh, I didn't have my son, at the, I think I was pregnant at the time, but I was at a, at a residency in Florida and that one, you know, I think like one time a year or something that artists with children could actually, you know, bring their entire family and even have you know daycare, which wow. is like holy cow, that would be amazing! Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, Ra- the Rauschenberg residency, mm. um, they would provide childcare too, and, and it's like that's amazing. Like, we should be thinking about that the whole person yeah. if we really want them to be sustainable, right? Yeah. To keep doing that work,
2: absolutely, you know? yeah. absolutely. I, I just want to point out, you know, to anyone listening, if uh, if this becomes a thing within the next few years, you heard it here you first. Be <laughs> sure to credit us, uh, Maria. You know, for for <laughs> making this happen. You are welcome. You are welcome.
0: <laughs> no, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, we we talk about that being very much involved in the artist community, mm-hmm. um, and you know, we talk about affordability and what does affordability look like, mm-hmm. and. Um, and maintaining, you know, the culture, because you know mm-hmm. a, a lot of cities across the country are going through gentrification and rezoning and like that. And mm. we, we talk about artists and the importance of artists when it's convenient, when it mm-hmm. you know, we can get money for mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. particular on, project. Yeah. And so, yeah. not with maintaining. I mean. How we look at income mm-hmm. and on and on, but it's like, yeah. yeah, you know, when we think about, yes, you're a working artist, you're generating income, but it may not mm-hmm. be, you know, it's not month to month, it's not a, a paycheck, right? every two weeks type of thing, yeah. right? Right, a lot of conversations too, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure, you know, yeah, yeah. When we talk about, um, for instance, in your past with your past exhibitions, mm-hmm. like Brown Brilliance, um, Darkness Matter that you had. Where you look at historical narratives and cultural heritage. Mm-hmm. This past year, okay, okay, within the last six months, so we've had the election of 2020, we've had the January 6th insurrection, we've had the pandemic, we've had, you know, um, violence in the streets, we've had protests, um, history being made, as well as people challenging mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm um what do you think is the role of the artist or art activists today during this art or artifice? Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: um well I, I i think um and and other brilliant artists have have said this before me um but i think that um uh i think being relevant mm-hmm. you know and of course relevant is subjective relevant to whom of course, mm-hmm. um, but I think that uh, uh, being, you know, being being critical is is I think one of the greatest assets of being an artist. You know that most of the artists that I've always looked up to or consider to be uh, mentors or, or people that I, I seek information from are people that are lending a critical eye to something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that folks like Nina Simone or or you know, other artists have talked about artists being, uh, you know, they're bearing witness to the world around them, and that is really important. Um, and and what it means to be translating these 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 traumas and um, uh, challenges in this time means being bold and, but also being um, nuanced. You know that that to be complex that it's not. I mean, I've I've been mostly interested in, you know, what does it mean to translate this moment or transcribe it through through visual art or or through other forms of art um, that represent not a generic picture, but something that um, is really layered and uh meaningful and that maybe we don't necessarily have a resolve but that is pointing to redirecting our our assumptions about something Mm -hmm. and and i think that that's really important at least that's that's important for me to do um and i also try to teach that to my students um because you know it's easy it's it's easy for one to be enamored by this um, romantic notion of being an artist. like you know the sort of traditional romantic notion of being an artist is uh, producing work, getting a gallery, um, making art that sells um, uh, you know you know and, and it's nothing wrong with that, right. <laughs> Right. I mean, of course, we also need to make income and all of that, but I think it shouldn't necessarily be like the focus, right? Um, it's about me making work that is meaningful um, and and that you can sustain it. But, you know, it's not sometimes the work that we make might be like difficult, you know, and, and maybe it's not beautiful. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, that's that's difficult because it's like, well, isn't it about beauty? Right. Right. Um, But maybe sometimes i mean what does beauty mean you know like how do we then unpack beauty because my beauty might be different from your beauty and so you know that so i guess what i'm saying is that there is no one way you know and um and, and i you know because i teach at an art school i think a lot about how do i teach a kind of multiplicity of perspectives so that students don't walk away with this like one idea of what it should look like and be like and smell like and sound like, you know, that that, that there are many options. Um, There are many ways of being, and that also you can change, you know, like you might be doing this one thing for a while and then you like, you know, you're doing something else. That's okay. You know, we don't have to be um, tied to this one thing that we can grow and change and that's part of that I think that's it's, that's part of what it means to evolve, or like, um, uh, what is that um, Grace uh, Grace Lee Boggs in Detroit says that beautiful thing like, revolution is about evolution,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, and I love that you know like really emphasis on evolution, yeah. and um, and I I think that's you know maybe that's the other piece too is to kind of see yourself within an evolutionist perspective, because like you said, um, histories are being erased. Uh, racism is somehow, didn't happen, <laughs> it's not <laughs> happening. That's, that's, that's what the conservatives are, are saying, basically. Nobody wants to talk about, they don't wanna talk about slavery. They don't wanna talk about critical race theory. Um, and they don't wanna change, they don't wanna evolve. They want things to stay the same. So it's almost like, I think maybe, maybe, being an artist who who is also an activist, who cares about activism, um, maybe what we need to also focus on is, is, is what it means to evolve, to evolve individually as a person, but also evolve as a community and to let ourselves do that. And maybe that is the most radical thing we can do right now because everything is about being stagnant. Um, the powers that be want things to stay the same,
2: mm-hmm. which is not good. <laughs> well, yeah. So, as you reflect on your career what would you say has been maybe like your biggest lesson
1: oh okay Mm -hmm. oh so many which one do i pick i mean um biggest lesson okay uh i didn't prepare for that i mean i didn't prepare for any question but (laughs) (laughs) uh, i knew maybe some of them would come um biggest lesson um I guess uh, one of them would be um, kind of what I said about parenting, which is, you know, sometimes like the work that I do is uh, very intense, you know? <laughs> um, and I think my students remind me to laugh a little, like uh, I, I, I try to remember clowning or, you know, these like, yes, these are difficult things, but like, how do we still um, find a space for a humanity that allows for like different kinds of feelings, you know, that it's not just about that one experience because obviously we're made up of so many experiences. And um, I think that trying to step back, I've I've needed to sort of step back and like let me look at the bigger picture here. And um, how do I nurture, or how in my my art practice, my teaching, my my um, community based art practice? How do I kind of nurture these these different ways of being? Um, uh, because I don't want to be prescriptive, you know. I don't want to be um, uh, telling people what to make. You know that that it's about kind of creating a space that feels nurturing and can be meaningful and transformative to people. Um, and sometimes that looks like you know workshopping different ideas or creating a space where we can like. You know, become experimental or make a space for experimentation. Um, So I think that is one of the greatest lessons. It feels like a life lesson. I think, in many ways, Um, you know, and uh, and slowness. Yeah, Mm -hmm. take just take it slow. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I mean, that's why I love the intro that that the music that you have. I assume. You made you made you all made it. Yeah, yeah. you made it.
0: Gotcha.
1: <laughs> oh yes, it has like this ease, you know. Um, it has this ease and this this slowness that um, I also kind of want to think more about or reproduce, you know. It, especially in this time where everything's like fast, fast, fast production, production, mm-hmm. um, uh, consumption. Mm-hmm. I, I think also about slowing things down and uh taking the time to read and not having an answer really quickly you know that's like well maybe i need some time for that actually might take two weeks
0: <laughs> or more <laughs>
1: you know? but Then that's you know in some cases that won't work but in some in many cases it's actually okay you know so
0: yeah yeah well, that's great well you know um we're about to wrap up but i wanted to mm-hmm. um reflect on you know as as you are an artist, as you mentioned, an activist, an educator, if you had to choose just one of those <laughs> for mm-hmm. the rest of your life, which one would you choose? No pressure. No pressure.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I, I artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, artist. I think that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. Yes, you're right. I don't think we have to make a, ch- a, a choice, and of course, but. Um, to me, that that is my home. That is my home because, I mean, also sometimes you know, to be honest, um, I know activists who put their bodies on the line mm-hmm. in ways that I don't do it in that same way, you know. Um, uh, and so I sometimes take a step back from that because I think you know they're really doing um, uh, this work that is. Um, yeah, that it that that it is at a different level. You know, in some ways, um, the risk is greater. The yeah. risk is greater. So I I like to re- you know respect that and understand that, and I'm okay with that. You know, I've I, I've not always been okay. I, I've struggled with that actually quite a bit, but I'm I'm okay with that. I I know that there's a certain certain kind of thing that I do that, and I want to flourish in that. And if I can participate. If I can participate or contribute to those conversations, that that is that is wonderful. And but I do think that uh, the way I define an artist is 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 somebody that is going against the grain. So in some ways, maybe it's it's not necessarily activism, um, but but I think it is. Um, you know, it it is about a kind of taking action. Um, working against some kind of system of power in many ways. And um, and that that's exciting to me, you know? And I, and, I, and I think that everybody can do their part, you know? Like, even if you're, um, I don't know, what is the opposite of being an artist? I don't know, being a <laughs> financial manager? I don't know. <laughs> There's probably some artists out there that are like, I'm a financial manager. <laughs> right. um, There's an what are you talking about? Right. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I'm my own financial manager, right? Being an artist
0: is also just
1: doing your own bookkeeping. And so, yeah, right. um, I'm making a generalization maybe. But, you know, I think uh, everybody can kind of play a role in that, right? Everybody can can um, work for change in, in, in whatever field that they're in. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to see, you know, because one thing about, unfortunately, one thing about trauma and hard times and challenging times, it does make for great art. And yes. so I'm very mm-hmm. um, inspired and, and look forward to seeing, you know, in the next year or so, what people have been doing while they've been mm-hmm. in ho- at home or in the studio or, or, in, the streets. or in the streets, right, right, right. So that's yeah. that's going to be because there's a lot of content, yeah. There's plenty to work with, and so I'm excited to see what you and mm-hmm. other other artists are doing and developing, and what we, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Come Every, up with. Yeah, stuff. everybody's cooking. Everybody's cooking, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, please let us know what I know. We mentioned earlier that you recently re- are a recipient of the United States Art, this Fellowship. Mm-hmm. What yeah. other things um, that you have in store? What's going on? What's mm-hmm. on your calendar? Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Um, well, yeah that that was a an incredible honor. You know, for for other artists out there that are. You know, sending in applications all the time, as as I am to, um, you know, was, that was not my first try. So <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> several applications later, um, so but it you know it's an incredible honor to be part of that community and the work that they're doing is is really amazing. Um, but I'm so I'm, right now I'm working on a couple of things. Um, I am recording the demolition of of the Division One. Uh, Portion of the Cook County Jail, um, and I've been thinking a lot about uh, uh, you know the word abolition and how abolition shows up through material, mm-hmm. and um, it, it was very much inspired by the work of um, uh, some folks um, over at UC Santa Cruz who who did a series of um, of conversations: um, Gina Dent, um, Angela Davis. Uh, 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 Rachel Nelson um, and others who organized a series of conversations called Visualizing Abolition mm-hmm. and it was wow it was amazing and it was like bringing scholars and artists together to talk about like what does it look like visually and so I've been thinking so much about that through but not through material because you know I was talking about touch I want to go back to to things that I can touch or I can hold um, so I'm thinking about how abolition shows up through something I can Hold yeah. um, and how the, the 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 demolition of the jail is something that is disassembling, that is getting deconstructed, that is disappearing. Um, of course, what that's working towards is is the question mark, um, because as we know, um, jails and jails are also you know putting more people on electronic monitoring. Yeah. Um, you know, so 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 we'll see. It's to be determined, but. Um, but because of uh, recent you know, uh, uh, laws, um, cash bail has now been you know, ruled out here and many other s- uh, states. So there are uh, people uh, leaving right, the, the, some of the jails. And so, so there's less people there since mm-hmm. when I started. When I started doing the work, there were about 13,000 people. Now there's about half of that, mm-hmm. though the numbers may have gone up during the pandemic. So you know, so anyway, I'm recording that, and um, I'm working with some of the uh, people that were in my project inside of the jail, who've since now been released and who've stayed out since then, and people who I've stayed in touch with, and they want to continue making art together. So we're developing a project right now. It's right now. It's it looks like performance for video, and it'll be in tandem with the, the deconstruction of the jail. So. Uh, and thinking about disappearance and opacity and, and um, um, you know, abolition. So, and I'm excited to think about, like, I've been looking at um, modern dance, um, artists working in theater, that's sort of in this sort of, uh, you know, in-between state between art and theater, mm-hmm. um, theater and dance. Um, and I've also just been really interested in the work of experimental filmmakers. So. My good friend Christopher Harris, um, you know, did a beautiful piece um, called "Still Here" about St. Louis and um, the the kind of um, vacancy of that city, you know. And he recorded it. Um, um and and just other examples of people doing amazing work with the camera and so i'm excited to think about this this medium that that is slightly newer for me you know i've been working more like hands on big production but i kind of want to work more intimately smaller scale with less people to make something you know just as powerful i hope so this will be probably the next year and and a half or so so i'll I'll keep you
0: yeah
2: Looking forward to see what you do next. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Well, this
0: This has been wonderful. Thank you so, so So much for taking your time uh... and catching up with you and (laughs) and, uh, all that you've been doing. Of course, we follow you on Instagram and and your social media. And And so,
2: rooting for you, yes.
0: So, we do great work. Mm -hmm. Um, we are so, like we said, looking forward to seeing what you do next. So, thank you.
1: Thank you, thank you so much for um, creating this platform and for all the opportunities you're giving to artists to also just be in communication with one another to talk about things that You know, we don't always have the chance to share, you know, Um, everybody's also so busy. So this is such a great platform to be able to share information and one story. So thank you for everything you do. And I'm so glad that we've stayed
0: in touch all these years. (laughs) This is is our our baby out Mm -hmm. of the pandemic. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, As our T-shirt, my T-shirt says. Yeah, I love it. it. And it's just, um, you know, it's just, you know, it was a great way for us to just catch up Mm with those who physically couldn't see them. And, you know, it's funny how we went to school together, you know, we see people, we hang out, but we don't necessarily know their creative journey and their story. And so Mm we have this platform to use that to learn more about, you know, our folks. You know, we we say all the time, we know, oh, yeah, I know that person, but we don't, how much do we really know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah and a lot of times folks only really get to see the destination and not the journey so like mm-hmm.
0: it
2: allows like folks to really kind of show them how they got mm-hmm. from one point to another um, and as they keep finding new destinations along the path right so like you know we appreciate folks like you who make the time and and hopefully you know the people listening find some inspiration in, in your story thank you
1: thank you, thank you so much yeah. sending you a big virtual hug
2: yes Yes,
0: (laughs) so hold tight we're gonna close out the show but for those of you again enjoyed this this episode please make sure to like and share and the no,
2: make sure you subscribe as well
0: subscribe below
2: because more interviews are coming and uh and of course we we can't leave without plugging the fact that um we did release a children's book uh called she sees that's available now so for those of you who have little ones or have little ones in the family someone else's mm-hmm. kids that you get to give back um <laughs> feel free to check out the book um it, uh, a labor of love that was uh, written by me edited by rochelle and illustrated by Mira uh miara little bunny nelson so um that is available now but on that note we got to get out of here and maria once again thank you so much thank you and thank you to everyone thank for you sharing.
0: everybody all right,
2: peace, right. peace.
0: peace.
2: Bye. Thanks for listening to Artistry, where art meets industry. This podcast has been brought to you by Substantial Art and Music. For more information, please visit www.subartmusic.com. You can also follow us on social media at We'll see you soon. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.